0: On the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value Podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value Podcast. Let's jump into this next episode.
1: hey guys kyle here thanks for checking out this episode of the value adds value podcast um this is the second half of our interview with stephanie Edmonds, who you can find at class disruption uh on instagram and youtube uh and on this part we talked a little bit more about teaching social studies relationships and the power of co-curricular activities and really like getting to know what your students are into so we're really thrilled to um to be able to share this with you. So if you don't follow Steph, go follow her. Um, if you don't follow us, find us at value adds value or it's dot will dot law And if you don't mind a special favor, we would love it if you would go to Donors Choose and find a project Wilkie we'll Posa called the Music and Arts Collective. Uh, it is our after-school mentoring program where we bring in artists, photographers, videographers. Uh, hip-hop artists, producers, singers, and give them a space to create. And we need some new equipment, uh, and we're really close to reaching our goal. So if you go to Donors DonorsChoose uh, and find Wilkie's project uh, called the Music and Arts Collective and think about donating, we'd really, really appreciate it. So uh, if not, we understand, but we hope you enjoy this episode of Value Adds
2: Value. So in talking about co-curriculars, this is something we were talking about prior to it that I, that I think is interesting and, and I have a hard time with, you were talking about why those things shouldn't be tied to grades or behavior because, um, and I'll just give you a little background for me. Like our eighth grade team is taking our eighth grade students to Washington, DC. And it's a trip that they want everyone to go on, but we do have some behavior standards, but, we kind of catch flack from a lot of people that our behavior standards aren't high enough for the kids who actually go on the trip. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say on why, you know, those activities shouldn't be based in, in behavior or grades.
3: Yeah, for sure. So I definitely can understand the mindset of like, oh, those things are privileges, you have to earn them. But at the same time, like kids, usually when they're when they're acting out, it's because they're lacking something in their lives. Like usually it's an understanding of how society functions in a certain way, or it's just an understanding of why it's important, or it's just like a lack of trust for you. And and so like, that's what I always say, like, and, and I guess I've evolved a little bit more to even be more liberal with it over the years. As I've seen, for example, like the other day, I've been working on this kid all year and um, I'm finally getting him Kind of bought into it and now it's about to be baseball season so he's like he wants to play baseball you know and so he's like really turning it up and so it's and and the coach is asking me like should I let him play like is he I'm like yo let him play like this is the thing that he likes like let him have the thing he likes and then we're gonna work on him in the classroom because it'll have him buy in it'll have his trust us. it'll let him know that we see him for who he is and what he wants Um, and now of course, I guess when you're going like somewhere super far to DC, um, you definitely need to make sure if you're bringing kids into places, they're behaving, you know, within certain limits. But again, I think it's about letting them know that you trust them in those situations. So I usually like to make the kid who's kind of like the loudest in the class, the leader. I'm like, okay, we're about to have a debate and you're going to be the leader of the debate. And when they're like in control, all of a sudden, somebody's talking out of line. It's like, no, oh, you can't talk out of line, man. We got to keep this show together. And then slowly after they do that, they kind of check their own behavior. So it's just creating that self-awareness around it. And it definitely has to be a dynamic process. I don't think there should be any hard and fast rules, you know. But um, generally, I think you should let them play first. Let them do the activity first. Let them have the thing they like first. Build that trust. And you're going to get them to do that work. <clears> hmm. <throat>
0: I I love the standpoint, especially the idea of the loudest as the leaders. I wrote that down and I'll make sure I give you credit because that, (laughs) you know, I think teaching middle school, we were on with Principal Kafele and he was talking about the struggles with middle school students because they come in as sixth graders trying to prove themselves and they come in from all these different elementary schools trying to prove themselves. And it takes sixth, seventh, eighth grade, about two years, two, three years for them to start to find who they are. And then they go to high school and they start all over again, ninth, 10th, 11th. So by 11th and 12th grade, they've discovered it and they're, they're moving on. And I've noticed that our loudest kids, when you sit and have a conversation with them, are probably the most intellectual, the, the most articulate, and, and I share, I tell them all the time, I'm like, man, use your voice for, for a purpose. I want to hear your voice. So you don't have to talk loud to me. You know, you don't have to yell and scream. I hear your voice. I see you. You know, we do uh, affirmations in my classroom to kind of let the kids know your voice matters. Everything that you do, mm. you say, you feel, you, you, you think, everything that you can imagine, it matters in this room. And I think a lot of teachers don't embrace that because it takes them having to work with those loud kids in a way that they really don't want to. You know, I want you to sit down and be compliant because that's gonna get other kids compliant. Whereas if I put you in charge, now you get to see the difficulty of dealing with kids who are talking out of turn or doing things they're not supposed to. And when you start checking those things, now, when you get me you know, now, when I'm back in the driver's seat, the student is like, you know, they kind of chill out. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of just mellow out and just kind of it balances itself out when once you, and again, it's that power thing. You can't,
3: yeah. It,
0: it, it, I think teachers are so tight fists with their classrooms and mind, mind, mind. I'm like, man, let your fingers go, save your heart a couple of extra palms, keep your blood pressure down, and let those kids do what they do.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm all about taking a step back. I like to let them kind of work their thing out even if there's a couple f-jobs, bop, uh f-bombs dropped or you know a little, you know back and forth that somebody's looking in they would be like, "Oh my god." But it's like, you know, let them work their things out and once they see they figure out, "Okay, there's a certain dynamic here." Throughout the year they get better and better at it. You know, like I said I was doing that debate yesterday and I, I didn't say anything for like 20 minutes. I think I I, I jumped in one time just to kind of model um, how I thought like an argument could have been made better. Um, and then I just like stepped right back out and they ran themselves and we had our class leader and she was doing a good job. So it's, you just gotta, and it takes practice. It's kind of building that muscle. It's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. when you want to ask somebody out, you know, it's scary. But then you do it one time, and you're like, all right, maybe I could do that again. And then you do it a few times, and then you're like, Oh, this ain't nothing. Whatever you say, no, it's no problem. I just go to the next one, you know? So it's the same thing with teaching. You just gotta build that muscle, like, okay, a couple minutes here. All right, now we do five minutes, now we go seven, ten, and, and then you just like ah, oh, I don't even need to teach anymore. I'll leave the lesson plans here for you guys.
0: Right. It's on the board. What you need it's on the board. And yeah. go, go to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So, so with that too, in what you've been talking, I I know that meeting kids where they are is important to you, and and that's something that everybody says we should do as teachers. But it, I think, it's really difficult in practice. So, what does that look like, you know, day to day in your teaching practice when you're really meeting kids where they are?
3: Yeah, for sure. So, I think the the first step is in planning. I always try to like over plan. And then I make it so that the first part of my worksheet is really the only part that you would need to get done to like master the skill or be where you need to be to meet the objective. And then I kind of have this further part built in so that if kids, the kids who can go beyond there can kind of go beyond there. And they're good enough that I can just check in with them maybe, you know, a couple times a week or like real quick once a class and they're good you know, and then I try to build in bigger sections of time. So, cause I do hate that, you know, my focus is on kind of like those cusp kids because th- at the end of the day, that's like the data. Cause I know those other kids are going to pass the test. So um, it's, it's about building in extra things for those kids to keep going. And then I think another important aspect is, is creating groups. So you can build that time and space then to really, air, um, get in on those kids who need your help getting through that actual, like on level, on objective material. And then even from there, it's going to have to take more exceptions. Cause I have some kids who they don't want to talk, right? I make them talk every once in a while but they mostly just like, you know, they like to be the writer. And then I have kids who, they can't copy notes from the board. Like they don't get it. You know, it's like, I'm like, yo, you can't just copy down the notes. They're like, I, I, I don't know, miss. And so it's like, they really need that verbal outlet. So I make sure that if we're going to do an activity that requires them to write something down, I'm making sure I'm going to those kids first so they can verbalize what they need. And even sometimes I'll help them get it started written down. And like, once they're started and into it, they can do it, but they just can't get over that hump. And so, in one way I could say, "Oh, like this kid, he needs to be able to write, and I'm like, "Really, does he?" Like you could just verbalize into your phone, your phone will write it for you. You know, like you could have your computer read to you these days. If you could get the spelling close enough, I'm a bad speller. The computer's going to correct it for you. you know, And then I have another girl, um and she is has a very unstable kind of home situation and she doesn't get to school a lot. And so I know some teachers are like, oh, what are we gonna do with this girl? Like, she don't ever come. Like, you know, her mom doesn't care. She don't pick up the phone, this and that. But she does come every once in a while. And the first person that she comes to see when she comes is me. Because every time I see her, I make sure I show her extra love. Big hug, how you doing? And then I'm, I give her packets of work. I have like a, a a test prep book and I'll just print her out like a lot of, of um, sheets from there. And then, you know, she'll be gone maybe a week, a week or so, but she'll come back and she'll be like, miss, I did the work. And then I'll put her on like an online test to see where she is. And then I'll give her more work based on that. Because even if she's not going to get the credit, she can pass the regents. And if she passed the regents that's a big component to graduating, the credit is kind of the easy part, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we got to get her more bought into that process. She's not ready to be in school right now. Maybe, you know, when she's a junior or a senior, she's going to be ready. So... And then I have another student, you know, she'll do the work she don't like, but she really likes like her after school activity. So I make sure that when it's cooking club, I'm coming by to see her and get some of that food. Because, again, I can kind of push into her a little bit harder in class, even if she gives me a little bit of attitude, because she knows that we're going to chop it up when it comes to cooking club. So... You know it's just about knowing who your kids are and knowing that you know the standards say you have to do the the writing and the speaking and all this but do you really you know like some people don't read they just watch movies and watch youtube some people just read and don't you know do the other things
0: Mm -hmm. wow i i you know i'm as an avid reader uh I think reading open and unlocks so many opportunities. But, you know, and I, my kids are always like, Ms. Lava, you always tell us that we need to read books and do this, nobody read books, so I pulled out my phone. I was like, I got over 60 titles in my Audible. I say, because if I go to the gym, I don't always have to listen to music. I may have an Audible book playing. I'm feeding my brain while I'm working out. While I'm cutting my yard, I'll have an Audible book playing. You know, I could stop and bookmark something and go back to it later and they were like so some of the kids you so so i i created an account we there's a a program called epic oh cool and so kids get free downloads and so as a teacher i can open up i opened up a, an account now mind you i'm a math teacher and i opened up this account and i had students who said i said hey if you want to find books that you can read that'll read to you that are appropriate for your age here's this website the kids started going and I started seeing some of the stuff the kids was reading and I can see every book that they read. So it was so awesome to go back into the classroom and be like, Hey, you know, I saw you reading this book on such and such. Have you heard of, you know, Basquiat? And they was like, no, who is that? I said, go, go read up on Basquiat. And they were like, okay. So they come back. It was like, Oh, Mr. Law, he was dope. You know, da da, da, da. and I'm like, But again,
3: and then all of a sudden in the background, they just still, they doing all their math problems perfectly. All of a sudden you like, so you're reading about Basquiat and all of a sudden you can do math. Interesting.
0: (laughs) And I think it's more of that. You know, one thing Kyle and I believe is the core is the relationship you build with kids. When you know something makes a kid feel feels good. You know, that was one of the first questions I asked my kids. What's one word that describes you? And I make sure we revisit that word. We talk about it. You know, some of the kids like, my words changed, Mr. Law. I used to be sad and mad all the time. You know, now I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. Kid told me that the other week, and I was like, optimistic? You're sixth grader. <laughs> I love you're, it. You're telling me you're optimistic. You know, and it's like that, I'm with you on growth happens on so many levels, at so many levels, at so many different times. It's so much of a variable that you can't say, it's gonna grow. You know, you can plant bamboo seeds, and think that, oh, nothing's happening for the first five to eight years, and all of a sudden you walk outside and boom, you're in a jungle. You know, because it takes that long for them to do it. And, and I don't think we're giving enough cognitive time for our kids to connect with what they're learning so that it lasts and it sticks with them.
3: No, because you got to race, you got to get to the end of the year, you got to get to that concert, you got to get, you know, I, I made the conscious decision as I was designing the my curriculum for the second half of the year, I was like, okay, I could race through, I could get to, you know, two thousand and twenty in real time or we could slow down, do some real authentic activities, lean into the skills because when I was doing the test, like I'm never gonna cover all that content. And they hit some like obscure things that I wouldn't even cover anyways. So it's it was like if they could read and they can write a decent essay and then they can pass this test, so I'm just, I'm slowing down, I'm creating those authentic, like, learning places, spaces, like, we spent three days preparing uh, for a debate about the likelihood of World War III in the context of World War I, and it was, again, it was just cool to see them come alive, and I feel like they feel so much better and have those causes of World War I just, like, with them, and mm-hmm. even if they didn't do that, and that's the only thing they knew to write about for the essay, they would kill it, so I'm just leaning into those skills, leaning into those relationships, and I'm not, I'm not letting myself worry about the race with the country.
1: Hey guys, just a quick question. How can we help you become the teacher your students deserve?
2: Please,
1: please reach out to us. Follow us on social media at Value Adds Value. Go to our website, theledproject.com or send Wilkie or I an email and let us know what we can do to help you become the teacher your kids deserve. And if you don't mind while you're at it, hit the subscribe button, share this podcast out and help us reach more teachers to help them become the teacher their kids deserve. Now, back to the podcast.
0: you give giving me so many liners in here. I love to yeah. lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, I guess I'm a Fat Joe fan, so when, yes. when, when, when I was like, I'm sorry, Kyle. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I know what you're going to. I'm waiting for you to say it. I'm no, waiting for you to say no, it. I'm good. Lean back. Yeah, it is. I it can't is. wait. I can't wait. I was like, like, I'm gonna put that in my classroom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, and in,
2: in 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 talking about, you know, the last couple of questions we were gonna ask you are talking about being a risk taker and staying true to your beliefs, but I mean that's what this we've been talking about now for a good forty-five minutes. Um, you know, how do you the question I wanna ask you about being a risk taker is how do you sometimes is there a point where you know not to keep pushing the boundaries? Because Oof. I'm I that's where I struggle. Like cuz I'm in a school that um I teach in a classical education charter school. Um and I didn't like I didn't go there because it was a classical education charter school. I just really love the people and I love what they do, but you know, we're not doing anything with cell phones. Like kids can't even have cell phones out. Kids can't, you know, listen to music while they're working it and I'm we would each consider ourselves risk takers and saying being true to our beliefs is important too but is there a point where you know you're maybe maybe pushing it a little too far
3: Hmm. I think that I think that the points it's more about like communication and how you communicate what you want to do And that's definitely something that I've struggled with since I was a kid, Um, you know, just like trying to inspire other people, because for me, it was kind of always like a natural thing, especially like when I played hockey as a as a girl, you know, I think boys sports in general, there's like, it's easier to be a little bit more competitive. But girls, the field is always so broad. Um, And so like. I was always playing with such a wide spectrum, and so I would sometimes get a little bit angry at the gameplay and not know how to like express myself rather than inspiring them. I just made them feel bad mm-hmm. um, and so that 's something that i'm especially now that i 'm in my my career, and I want to do things differently, and I want to inspire other people to do things differently. And so what I'm really learning again, just like with our kids, it's kind of like about building those relationships and opening up those lines of communication. And so, I mean, I would blow everything right up right now and, <laughs> and um, totally remake it. But I know that that's not possible or feasible or how things get done. So, yeah, you definitely have to set your goals. You have to prioritize and execute and and know what the atmosphere is, is palpable for right now and, you know, what might not taste so good to them. You know, you have to keep pushing their taste to be a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more sophisticated, but, you know, you can't just move them from chicken fingers and french fries up to uh, filet mignon in one meal. Mm. So... Um so I think yeah I think that's the key to taking risks is is just kind of like knowing who you're working with knowing the personalities of the people and knowing really where you can push if your principal has his thing and he's really into that thing I wouldn't push that thing right kind of find a space where he doesn't care about so much or find a a space where your interest meets his or her interest I'm saying his cuz I have a male principal but his or her interest and and then you can work into there cuz when If they think it's their own idea, then they're like, yeah, go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but it's definitely something I'm super nervous about all the time, especially with, you know, doing my class disruption and having my YouTube channel and kind of like saying political things. But then I'm like, "Yo, like they just because they're paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars downtown and they get to, you know, talk their political game. And what I'm saying is different from theirs. I know what I I'm speaking truth to power so you know and i know that i've made plenty of connections now i feel pretty confident that if they don't want me here i'm gonna go somewhere else that where they do want me i'm gonna keep doing my thing
2: mm-hmm. i mean we'll t- we'll take you here in the twin cities and i'm sure they'll scoop you up down in houston if you want to <laughs> you want to be hot all the time
3: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think it's just it's just part of the game it's part of just like believing in yourself and doubling down like when you wake up in the morning, you just got to make that decision and you got to stay true to it. And yeah, it's a constant balance.
0: Yeah, I like what you said, cause I was thinking as you were saying, I think like for me, my expectations, my expectation or my desired outcome kind of sets my boundaries. So when I, when we make the statement, like the student, the teacher students deserve to me, in order to meet that expectation, I really kind of got to throw the boundaries out to the, to the window of what's set right now, because the parameters of being creating teachers that students deserve is really not out there right now. So you know what I mean? Like I'm a music producer, so you know I think about people who who really push the boundaries. You know I think about the Jimi Hendrix who create sounds of them all, the Janice Joplin's who, who, who make, who take what we know and say, how can I take what we know and turn it, not turn it completely upside down, but turn it in a way to where I make it my own. And I think teachers, we all have to become those type of artists. Mm. And if we collectively got together, you know, we talk about it all the time, we're the 1% that controls the other 99. All across this country you know their teachers make up one percent of the u.s population but every other every other group depends on us what would happen if we all got together
3: and that's that's exactly what like class disruption is all about man that's what i truly believe too because like i know if people kind of get angry at what you say or or kind of nervous about what you're saying it's because they're kind of part of that old traditional structure and and I know, I see the wave of the future. I see teachers taking back the control. I see all these kind of standards that are hampering us down, um, kind of becoming irrelevant as we just assert our power and assert our, our ability to, to teach, you know, to, to be trusted, to just the way, you know, that private schools do. Nobody's like, oh, our kids from private schools don't pass standards tests, standardized tests. They just send kids to the best universities in the country. So let us do our thing. Trust our judgment like parents and private schools trust theirs. And we're going to get these kids going somewhere. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, my, my school doesn't do middle school GPA.
3: Okay, nice.
2: So, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. But I, I do want to you know kind of wrap that up with one thing. Wilkie. I, I always love the analogy he uses that, you know, we're always trying to fit kids into boxes when mm. we should be like looking at who our kids are and then shaping whatever and not you know, shaping boundaries around them. Mm-hmm. Rather than I mean and and I think like you said too, that's kind of what they try to do with teachers is they try to make everybody fit into these boxes when we're all different and we're all different at good at different things. So
3: And that's the point. We don't want everybody teaching everybody the same exact way. We want everybody to be able to move through this world and be able to make independent decisions. And, you know, it's a dynamic, chaotic thing, but we're in control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Control, All right.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we want to definitely be respectful of your time because we've been now going on going on an hour here but uh, (laughs) last couple questions yeah you could share a message with kids and you knew it would get to every student in the country in the country um what would you say to them and what would you hope they would get out of it
3: i would say do it right now don't wait until you graduate until you're grown until you got a job or whatever do it right now that's what school is for it's it's supposed to be a playground for you right if there's something you want to do make it happen you know set it up send the emails knock down the doors rally the student students put on the show record the video whatever it is do it right now you're not going to be in a place that has more of a support network or more opportunities you know ever again right in that one place so take advantage of it now and build for the future.
2: All right. So, it. before we ask you the final question, for people that want to connect with you, where are the best places for them to find you?
3: Yeah, for sure. So, Instagram is definitely the number one place that's class.disruption. Um, but I also have a little presence on Twitter. It's a little slightly different, a little more political on there for sure. But, same thing, it's class disruption, except the O is a zero. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, so you can check me out there, but definitely Instagram.
2: Cool. And you said you have a YouTube channel?
3: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. How am I forgetting? Oh, yeah. YouTube. YouTube is like what I'm really kind of focused a lot of my energy on right now is um, creating short videos, a lot of education policy stuff and just also some like professional development giving my approach to how I make lesson plans um and different things I'm doing in my classroom so check me out class disruption on youtube subscribe like you know all that youtube stuff
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I gotta and see. share and yes share. and share that's and the most <laughs> important
3: thing right and share with all the educators disruption Absolutely. all over the nation
2: yeah well i um i gotta say you know having only connected like this week i'm i'm super pumped i'm surprised i'm jealous we were i'm wishing we hadn't had connected a long time ago because we we're right there with you, so we really appreciate the connection and the fact that you took time this morning to come on the podcast
3: yeah well, this is you know only the start so we want to stay get connected and uh you know maybe yeah. we link up something for the youtube channel
2: i we would down love that so awesome
3: so we gonna make that happen
2: uh absolutely here we go this is this is Wilkie's question this is his baby he asked everybody uh Wilkie Wilkie, you want to take the last question
0: all right when everything's said and done all 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 the classes are closed lights are off you're retiring everything's over with as an educator what do you want your legacy to be
3: Want well, my legacy to be class disruption. I want to, you know, people to just feel like that their idea and their approach to the world has a place and you gotta go out and create it, right? The world the world isn't just going to be the way you want it. You gotta go out there and make it and you have the ability to do that. So as long as I can inspire one other person to just do that, my legacy is is sealed.
2: Mm, perfect. All right, folks, we'll get out there and follow Class Disruption on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and For LinkedIn. Sure. And, and Stephanie, we super appreciate the time and we look forward to connecting again real soon. Yeah. yeah and I just got to us-
3: la- let all the people know stay foolish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is You can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and vocabulary. So, if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try Nearpod for free.